Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello everyone again. Has everyone rung their mum today for Mother's Day? Uh, I don't know what kind of day you've had. Um, it's really interesting Mother's Day, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> some of us, what a great joy. Uh, we give thanks for our mums. Others of us are grieving. Um, uh, the loss of our mum or, or the mum that we, we wish we had. I was thinking about uh, Mother's Day today. I was thinking about the, the gift of church family. Uh, isn't it awesome that whatever our circumstances are in life for family, uh, God's given us a church family, uh, brothers and sisters, even... Uh, mothers within church life uh, to love and care for us. So give thanks for all those things. Um, but let me tell you about a much larger family that I met with uh, this week along with the staff team. Have a look at this picture. This is the Reach Australia Conference. Uh, there it is up on the Central Coast this week. Uh, so uh, over a thousand men and women gathered, so leaders from all across the country came together to hear the voice of God, uh, what is God saying to us in his scriptures, to pray that God would grow his church, uh, and to think into how might we see more people become Christian, uh, come to know Jesus, how might we see our churches grow to maturity. Uh, it, was, it was an awesome week, uh, and there's lots of people from our network of churches, the FIEC there. In fact, let me, let me pass this on to you as an encouragement. Uh, lots of friends of salt who were just so excited that we're on this journey of finding a new home for salt. Uh, people who'd been praying for us, uh, knew about the plant from 11 years ago uh, and want to spur us on. Um, so take that encouragement. Uh, in fact, there was one guy who actually goes to church here in Wollongong, not, not our church, who said, uh, he'd said to me uh, more than a month ago, I'm really keen to support you. I want to give financially to the new home campaign. Um, so give me the details, I'll give him the details. He said, he's told me how much he's going to give, he's going to start giving next month. So that's, that's really exciting. Now some of, our, uh, some of our, the churches in our network uh, have already been down this journey before. So uh, EV Church and Lakes Church on the Central Coast, Orange Evangelical, um, they've got their building, they've, they've grown, they've, they've, they've gone through that process. But there's a number of churches in our network who are in pro, um, in process with us to work towards a new space. So there's Lighthouse Church on the Central Coast, Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle, Coast EV in Foster, Point Church in Port Macquarie and Cross and Crown on the Gold Coast. But I want to tell you about Coast EV uh, in Foster. Uh, it's a fantastic story. It's a, it's a story of how God does things in unexpected ways through unexpected people. So have a listen to this story. Uh, Chris Eakins uh, planted this church uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, before he planted, uh, he was living on the northern beaches of Sydney and he meets this backpacker from America. Uh, and the guy's name is Dwayne. Uh, so Dwayne uh, meets Chris. Uh, no one calls him Dwayne. Uh, even Dwayne doesn't refer to himself as Dwayne. It's one of those names, isn't it? You go, oh, you'd be good to change that. Um, <laughs> But they called, they called him, they called him Scab. Uh, and he even called himself Scab. 
Uh, and Scab lived up to his name. He had nothing to his name. He, he had no job. Uh, and he really was getting good at sponging off other people. Uh, so, you know, no place to live. Chris and his wife decide, why don't you come and live with us for a few weeks? And what happens when you, when you say to someone like that, just come and live with us for a few weeks? It actually turned into nine months. Um, nine months of him not doing his washing, leaving dirty dishes in the sink, borrowing the car and returning it on empty. You're saying, that sounds like my flatmate. But eventually, Scab returns to the United States. And after about six months, Chris receives a cheque in the mail for church to the value of $5,000. And then two years later, he receives another cheque in the mail for $20,000. And then another two years goes by and he sends another cheque for $100,000. And so by this time, Chris is actually starting to get worried. (laughs) Where is this money coming from? Has Scab joined a drug ring? And so he gets on the phone, he... he, um, talks to to Scab, but it's all good. He'd actually started a tech company. Uh, It had gone really well, and he'd become a multi-millionaire. And so as as Coast EV is growing and they're thinking about their future, uh, the meeting in the school, they decide, we really need to buy land, we really need to go on this journey. Um, They find a block of land, they put it out to church, they cast the vision, they ask church to give to it. Uh, And Scab contacts Chris and ask him, how much for this block of land that you're looking at? Two million dollars. And Scab says, I can buy that for your church. And he does. That is a wild story, isn't it? That is just an amazing story of just how God does things in very unexpected ways through very unexpected people. And it's just the nature of of, of things in church life, isn't it? That whether it's the, the gun evangelist or the person who's going to become the kids' ministry leader or the person who ends up doing MTS, it's not always the person that we're expecting. It's not always the route that we would take. Uh, in fact, isn't it true that the whole gospel message, the good news of Jesus, is completely unexpected? Uh, last week we saw this. Uh, What's the message? It's the message of God sending his king who becomes the suffering servant. And through that message, people will enter eternal life. Well, tonight we're going to have a look at giving, and giving can be, can be an unexpected experience as well. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Have it open in front of you. The passage that Sean read out for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service for the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. 
Now, you need to get a bit of background information as we come to this part of the Bible. Uh, it's the Apostle Paul speaking. Uh, Apostle just means sent one. Paul is sent by Jesus. Uh, he's writing to the Corinthian church that's in Corinth in Greece. Uh, it's two Corinthians because it's the second letter uh, to the church there in Corinth. Uh, so we're talking real people, real places, real history, first century. And Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, but he's noticed he's talking to them about another group of churches. He's talking to them about the Macedonian churches. Um, so if you're familiar with the New Testament, you're a Bible reader. Uh, the churches of Philippi, so the Philippians, Ephesus, the Ephesians, the Bereans, uh, those churches in, in the regions north um, of Corinth uh, are the Macedonian churches. And they are the churches that have given generously uh, to a group of Jews who've become Christian in Palestine, uh, to the Jewish church. Um, so people converted out of Judaism to Christianity. And people who are in deep need are actually experiencing a terrible famine. And this, this famine has hit them so hard, in fact it's hit the whole region hard, uh, it's, it's moved from Egypt all the way up to Syria. And so just picture it, uh, like, it'd be like our whole country experiencing hardship. Uh, crops are failing, people are literally starving, there's not enough food to go around. Uh, lots of hardship and lots of Christians caught up in this, lots of churches caught up in great poverty as a result of this famine. And here are the Macedonian churches sending gifts to these Jewish churches in Palestine. And so it's unexpected because the Macedonian churches are also experiencing a very severe trial. Did you notice that in verse 2? In the midst of a severe trial. So the word severe, there's, there's another way of translating that and it's crushing. Uh, they felt crushed by persecution. So there they are feeling uh, impacted by the famine, but then also feeling, so they're feeling extreme poverty because of the famine, but they're also feeling uh, opposition because of their, their stance for Jesus and the gospel. And so they are the most unexpected givers. They're actually in a really hard place themselves, and yet they find it within themselves to give generously uh, to this church in Palestine. Uh, and you read about the background on this, and most people agree that they probably didn't give a large amount. They didn't have a large amount to give, uh, but they gave generously. In fact, look um, in verse 2, it's so beautifully put, isn't it? In the midst of a, a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Uh, Paul keeps putting two things together that shouldn't go together. Uh, severe trial and overflowing joy. Uh, what's the other two? Extreme poverty and yet rich generosity. Both of those are together in the Macedonian Christians. So it's, it's that they're pressed, but they overflow with joy. They're poor, but they're rich in generosity. Uh, it it gives me the image of like a fountain or a spring that has great pressure applied to it under the surface, 
but flows up into a fountain, into a spring, flows up into joy and generosity. That's what we should think of when we think of the Macedonian Christians. And notice in verse 3, they gave as much as they were able. And there's a, there's a great biblical principle right there. Uh, that's what God is asking of us, to give as much as we were able, not to give more than we're able. Uh, that's a biblical principle. If you have much, much is expected. If you have little, uh, less is expected. But look at the next bit. They gave even beyond their ability. Uh, so this is not just rich generosity. This is reckless generosity, can you see? Uh, they gave beyond their ability. They gave well beyond what they could afford. Now just pause there for a moment. How does that, how does that make you feel as you think about that? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? I feel uncomfortable as I, as I think about that. Uh, do you think, as I'm thinking, isn't that unwise for the Macedonians to push themselves that hard when they're in a hard spot? Uh, aren't you putting yourself at risk? But here's the thing. Paul is actually commending this behaviour. Paul is actually saying, here is the model Corinthians. Look at what these guys are doing. And so does Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, so Mark is one of those biographies of Jesus' life, there's four of them in the New Testament, uh, and there's that point in Mark's Gospel where Jesus is watching rich and poor people putting money in the temple treasury, in the temple offering. And as Jesus is watching them, here's, here's what he says. He says, a poor widow, Mark, Mark reports, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And so calling his disciples to him, Jesus says this, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Very clear, isn't it? She put in the most, she gave recklessly. Uh, but I don't think Jesus is talking about recklessness here. I don't think that's his main point. I think he's talking about generosity. And generosity is measured at our heart, not our hip. It's more about the attitude of our heart more than the dollars. And so you could be giving uh, thousands of dollars, but if, if you're giving thousands of dollars out of millions of dollars, are you really being generous? Or you could give uh, cents, a very small amount, but be incredibly generous because that's all you have. I think that's the point that Jesus is making. And so one obvious application of that is what, what is generous for each and every one of us will look different, won't it? Uh, God is, is, is seriously thinking about our hearts. Now, in a moment, I want to share with you what we as a staff team have committed to the new home, what we've pledged. It's a great start to the, uh, the million dollar target. It's really encouraging. And as I look at that amount and know the staff, I think it looks generous to me. But who cares what I think? God knows our hearts and God knows whether it's generous or not. And as, as we um, 
continue our new home campaign, there'll be small amounts and there'll be large amounts. And we need to give thanks for the small amounts and we need to give thanks for the large amounts given with a generous heart. See, it's, it's true, isn't it, that you could give $10 out of the little you have uh, with a generous heart and be giving as much as someone who gives tens of thousands of dollars also with a generous heart. Back to the widow, Jesus commends the poor widow for something that we wouldn't. That is, she gave everything. You think about it for a moment. I reckon we would say to her, you shouldn't be giving. Uh, we, we wouldn't ask her to give. In fact, I reckon we're uncomfortable with Jesus at this point because there's something in our culture that we value more than Jesus. And it's financial prudence. It's that idea of being wise with your money, being cautious, um, saving for a rainy day. And so we look at the widow and we look at the Macedonian churches and we say, you should just put your wallet away. A wealthier person, a wealthier church should come and help you. Uh, In fact, that's what we'd say to the Corinthian church, wouldn't we? You're cashed up, you should give. How come the Macedonian churches are giving? And so could it be that Paul and Jesus are actually touching on a raw nerve for us at this point? Could it be that prudence, our so-called financial wisdom, has actually become an idol in our culture? That idea of saving for a rainy day, protecting my future... Could that mean that my money actually becomes untouchable? Now, it's really strange that we live in, in, we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world and yet we're, we're some of the most anxious people about our finances. That is weird, isn't it? Um, I've shared with you, some of you before that I've done ministry in, in Kenya and India and I keep up with brothers and sisters there uh, over the years. And uh, several years ago, when the global financial crisis hit, I felt really embarrassed uh, about the way it had hit them in their part of the world and the way it had hit us in our part of the world. In their part of the world, there were families who literally don't eat. Uh, There's just not enough food to go around because of those financial realities. Uh, there There are people in their family who aren't getting the medication that they need uh, for their sicknesses. Uh, There are people who can't afford uh, to have a funeral for their own mother or their own father. That's just the reality of how it hit them. And here I am trying to tell them, oh, yeah, it's hit us as well, but how has it hit us? Our government's actually given us money. Um, Australian homes are being insulated as we try and prop up the economy our local school has just got a new hall. It's crazy, isn't it? It is two different worlds, and yet we are really anxious about our financial future. So here's the question. Could it be that my sense of prudence of protecting my future is actually a mask for my selfishness? Could it be that what I call financial wisdom is actually a mask for my greed? But that whole question of financial wisdom really depends on your perspective. And it really depends on what you value. 
I don't know whether you've have you ever had someone look at your finances who doesn't have the same values as you. Uh, we've had this experience. So we've had an accountant, we've had the bank over the years look at our our, our well our finances, the way in which we spend our money. And when they've noticed that we, we give 10% of our income to church, they're always polite, but I reckon they're thinking, that's a really dumb financial decision. You could be paying off your home loan so much quicker, you could be preparing responsibly for your retirement, which is what you need to be doing. How come you're giving this money away? It doesn't make sense, but it's a different perspective, isn't it? It's a different, it's a different value system. Um, when Nat and I decided to go into ministry 26 years ago, uh, lots of people were excited, but there were some people and some Christians who were really concerned for us financially. Uh, there were, there were, I remember people saying to us, you do realise you won't be able to buy a house. And we were genuinely surprised. Here we are excited about going into ministry. Here we are thinking this is a great investment. This is a good decision for us. Um, And we know that it's unlikely we're going to be able to buy our own home. But we just never thought that was part of following Jesus, a necessary part of following Jesus. And so I look at the widow and I look at the Macedonian churches and it is just a rebuke to me. Because I just keep thinking, I've got all, these, all this stuff and I'll give some of it away. Whereas what is the widow thinking? She's, she's realising, actually, no, it's all God's and it's all to be used for his glory. It's all a gift from him and it's all to be used for him. In fact, that's just a general principle, isn't it? The Bible keeps reminding us of well beyond financial giving, well beyond our new home. Here's the question for us. In our hearts, do we trust God enough to take risks? Uh, Or do we play it safe and hoard in the name of prudence? Now, I don't don't think I'm very good at this. I think I've got so much to learn on this. But I've got to say, the times that I've felt that I've I've stretched out and and taken a risk, um, Nat and I felt like we've really been looked after by God. I'm now at that stage of life where there's, there's quite a gap in wealth between me, between us and our friends who went through uni and didn't go into ministry. Uh, that's just a reality. For, for a few years there, we're going, oh, look, I get to do ministry and we're, we've got pretty much the same. But occasionally I think to myself, wow, I could have been a lot wealthier. But you know what is really good for me? What's really good for me is to sit in the leather seats of my friend's new sports car and ask myself, would I rather be him? And I don't think about it for too long. But I, I want to say, no way. No way. I would not swap my life for anything. God has given me so much more. I'm so much more wealthy than he I have an incredible future in front of me and that's the reason why I'm desperately praying and persuading him to follow Jesus. The widow puts everything in with God, doesn't she? Now, I'm not suggesting that you do that, but shouldn't we see something in her life in our life? 
if Jesus commends her for this. Uh, Don't you think the Macedonian churches are inspiring churches? Uh, Wouldn't you love to meet them in heaven? They're, They're the people overflowing with joy, rich in generosity. And where does their joy come from? It's not, their, it's not their circumstances, they're in really hard circumstances. It must be their salvation, mustn't it? See, they are so thrilled to be saved by Jesus, they're so transformed by him, they're so secure in him, they've actually got to the extraordinarily rare place where they realise their happiness is not determined by their circumstances and it's not determined by their money. So many people want to, want to get to that place the Macedonian Christians have got there. Have you ever met someone who has everything, is incredibly wealthy, but is total, totally miserable? Have you ever met that kind of person? Uh, when I was in Kenya, uh, the, the pastors had this picture of our nation. I think there's a picture there. If we, if we find it, there it is. I'm, I'm the white guy. Um, <laughs> This is the picture they had in in their head of our nation. Your nation must be a nation that is all praising God and is immensely joyful. Why? Because your nation is so wealthy. And I had to keep telling them, no, no, we're a nation that believes that happiness comes from having more and more and more and it's dependent upon how much money you have. And as a result, so many people are miserable. Well, similarly, have you ever met the person who has so little, but just radiates life and light and hope from their heart because they know Jesus, uh, because they know they have everything in him, because they are eternally rich? That's the Macedonian uh, Christians. Joyful regardless of their circumstance, joyful despite their circumstances, rich in Christ, wealthy inheritors of God's kingdom for all eternity. Joy that not only transforms their poverty, but actually fuels generosity so they're actually able to give towards others. You know, I I pray that I could be that kind of person, uh, in fact, as, as Nat and I were thinking about what to give for our new home, here's one of my fears. One of my fears is that we would give, but not give joyfully. Think, knowing that, wow, no, no, God loves a cheerful giver. He wants me to enjoy this, to have the joy of giving. That's where my heart needs to be. be. He doesn't want me just to tick a box, yep, I gave to new home. He doesn't want me to do it begrudgingly. He wants me to do it joyfully. And so that's what, I, that's what we've been aiming for. In fact, here's a courageous prayer to pray. Lord, help me to give joyfully. Lord, please give me the joy that outlasts my financial situation. And you know, I'm afraid to pray that prayer because I don't want to be poor. But... What I've realised as I've looked at the Macedonian churches is they are so much wealthier than me, so much more joy-filled than I've ever been. The gospel has really turned their poverty into wealth. 
And have a look down in verse 5 and notice that they're not, they're not actually giving to Christian brothers and sisters in the end. They're actually giving to Jesus. Look at verse 5. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. See, what looks like charity, what looks like disaster relief, actually turns out to be worship of Jesus. See, with joy, they're led to worship Jesus uh, through, with their money. And so what, what, is the, what is the difference between giving to aid work, uh, giving to Red Cross or UNICEF, um, which is a great thing to do, um, there's something good we can do with the money that God's given us. Uh, but what's the difference between that and giving to gospel work, disciple-making work? Um, giving to gospel work, disciple-making work, you're actually giving to Jesus. Uh, you're giving to his kingdom, his body, the building of his church, of which he is the head. And I reckon that totally changes the way you think about it. It's now not a sacrifice, now it becomes a privilege. What a privilege to be able to give to Jesus, my King. And have a look at the end of verse 3. Look at their attitude. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. See, how unexpected is that? In their circumstances, you'd think they, they would be the ones pleading to get money, to get help. And here they are pleading, please, help, please let us give to other people. Urgently they're saying, I want to give to this, to these people. And why is it? Well, it's because they've got such great joy for Jesus, isn't it? And they now consider it a privilege to give to him and his people. See, what a privilege it is to give to the king, to think what a great honour it is to give to the Lord who's over all. How amazing it is that God would say, I honour your little gift towards my work. That's a massive honour, that's a massive privilege. But I wonder as you think about giving tonight, is that the way you think about giving? So Nat and I have been thinking and praying into um, giving to our new home for several months, and in fact, since the end of last year, uh, and thinking into what would be an amount that we could give that we would consider to be a privilege. Uh, what could we give joyfully? Um, we usually don't tell anyone what we're giving, uh, but I want to encourage you as your pastor that I'm right behind this, uh, and I hope this is an encouragement to you, if I wasn't your pastor, I wouldn't be telling you. Um, so here's what we did. We set ourselves a bit of a goal. We thought to ourselves, could we give another 10% each year for the next three years that could be given to the new home? Um, so an additional 10% specifically for new home at Salt for the next three years. Uh, and if so, how would we actually make that work? Uh, and the first thing we came up with was sell one of our kids. Uh, there were no buyers available, um, so that, that option's not on the table. But seriously, what could, we, what could we do with our budget 
what could we sell um, to joyfully give this this extra amount? Um, and let's let's do it in advance. Let's set it aside a bit like our, our giving uh, each week, uh, because I know my human heart. I will spend that money or be tempted to spend that money unless I set it aside up front in advance. It's actually what's been really helpful about pledging uh, to, th- to say, this is what we're committed to, this is what we're going to give, um, and so I won't, I won't spend it on something else. And so uh, we had a, a good hard look at our budget, which was really helpful. We made some, some cuts and some changes there. We tightened up there so we could give, give something from that. Um, I tried to think of some creative ways uh, to save money. One idea I came up with was, how about I give myself a haircut every six weeks so I don't have to spend at the barber? Um, that got quite a reaction from my girls that wasn't positive. Um, they said, no, Dad, please give up anything else, but do not cut your own hair. I thought I'd just shave it. And they said, no, no, do you, do you realise how little hair you actually have? Um, do you realise that it won't grow back? And do you realise this could be the end of your hair career? <laughs> I don't know what a hair career is. Um, but there were, there, were, there were creative ways in terms of the budget. But then to give it a larger amount, what could we sell? And what, what could we sell that we're going to feel it, we're going to have the sacrifice of selling it, but we're going to do it joyfully? Well, there's a couple of things. So um, we've, got a, we've got a camper trailer that we use as a family going away. Uh, we've decided to sell that. Uh, but we've got a tent, and so we're going to still go camping. We're still going to be able to enjoy that with our friends. All our friends have got tents, so that's all good. Um, we're also going to sell a car. So uh, about six years ago, uh, I must have been having a midlife crisis uh, because I bought this uh, collectible car, a 1967 MGB GT, uh, it's in our garage, it's risen in value and now is, I think, a great time for us just to sell it and we want to give the proceeds of that uh, to new home uh, and it's a good time to sell it because my midlife crisis is over <laughs> and so it's all good. Um, over, the next six, over the next 12 months, we're hoping to do some renovations to our home so we just thought about, okay, how can we make, uh, how can we trim this back a little bit again so we can, we can give a little bit more to new home uh, and then next year, we're hoping to... We've, I've got long service leave, so it's um, 20 years since we've been in ministry. It's nearly 30 years we've been married. And before new home stuff came on the table, uh, Nat says to me, let's do something special. Uh, and what do, you, what do you do when your wife says, let's do something special? You know what the answer needs to be? Of course, yes, uh, we will. But her view on special and my view on special are two different places. Um, So she's thinking Paris, I was thinking the Gold Coast. Uh, So yeah, we've got to work that out. Um, but, But a good friend of mine said, when you're giving sacrifice, how do you know you're giving sacrificially? You do need to think about the joyful side of things, but how do you know you're giving sacrificially it's the kind of amount that you need to think twice about. And so we had lots of conversations, you know, multiple conversations. We, we prayed about it a lot. And even right in the last moment, we thought, we're, gonna, we're about to press go on this amount. Is, you know, um, let's check in again with each other. And as I got closer to pledging, I, I asked Nat, are you okay 
that our budget is going to be tighter? And she said, yes. Are you okay that we're going to sell the camper and use a tent? She said, yes, I am. Are you okay that we sell the MG? She said, of course. (laughs) I've been wanting you to sell it for ages. In fact, I don't even know why you bought it. Um, Are you okay that the Renault is a bit smaller, maybe takes a bit longer or maybe a lot longer? Yes, I can live with that. And here's the last one. Are you okay that we don't go to Paris? That's the one that hurts. Um, Yes, we'll work out something else. We'll see what God provides. Um, Maybe between now and then, someone will have a house on the French Riviera. Is anyone out there? (laughs) And they'll lend us that place. Maybe Jesus will return. Maybe we'll never go to Europe and that will be okay. Maybe we'll go a lot uh, much further down the track. Who knows? Uh, That's in God's hands. But what mattered to us is that, yeah, we want to give to this uh, and we want to give joyfully. It is going to hurt, it's going to sacrifice, but here's our little gift uh, towards Jesus and the new home. And it's been really exciting also to share and join in this giving with the staff team. Um, So we put our pledges together. And again, we wouldn't normally share these things, but we want want you to know that we're behind it. And we've um, pledged $112,000. Six hundred dollars. There it is. Um, so that's that's a great start towards our goal of of a million dollars. Um, now we're we're only telling you this because we just want you to be encouraged um, that we're behind it and we've been thinking into it and we want to give joyfully. In fact, I got the staff to write down anonymously what they and their family are giving up to get there. Um, here's what they said: so delaying renovations on our house working some extra shifts and giving the money towards the new home, cancelling a streaming service, um, our, kids, our kid doesn't get braces, that was a joke, um, getting less takeaway, uh, we were planning a family holiday overseas and said we'll go somewhere down the coast, hopefully still a great holiday, so really encouraging. Enormous privilege, isn't it, to give to Jesus... And so good to do it together. I was really encouraged that we got to the place of being joyful and I was really encouraged that we, we did it together as a staff team. I'm really encouraged that we're going to be, doing, be able to do it together as a church. Here's something to leave you with, something really odd as you think about the Macedonians again. When you think about it, they're not the givers, they're the receivers. And it's the same for us. We're not the givers, we're the receivers. Look again at the passage, verse 1, God gave grace to the Macedonians. Verse 2, he gave them joy. Verse 4, God gives them the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. God is the giver. God is always the giver and we are always the receiver. How valuable are those things? The joy, the privilege, the sharing in in the service of the Lord's people. Uh, It's always that way. Uh, We are the receivers of these invaluable gifts as we give uh, to the Lord's work. Uh, Over the last six months, I've been talking to different pastors in our network about uh, their churches, and they're also on this journey. And you know, all of them, when they heard, oh, you're doing that, they all said, that's going to be great. And they didn't say, they they said, what was it like for your church? Yeah, it was great. It was really good for us. And they didn't talk about the building They talked about them as people. The the pastors talked about it was really good for us as a church. Uh, They talked about how much it changed them 
how much it unified them, how, how it made them more generous, how it made them more focused. So I wonder, have you, have you thought that our new home campaign, yes, it's about getting a place for salt for future gener- generations, but have you thought that it's actually one of the ways that God will grow us and give to us here at Salt, giving us joy, giving us the privilege, um, a privilege to give to God's work. I wonder whether you believe that. Because Paul did, the Macedonians did, and they got to the point where they realised the greatest thing about giving sacrificially is actually that it's not a sacrifice at all. It's a privilege. Now, I'm sure it felt like a sacrifice. I'm sure the Macedonians felt... Uh, what noticed what they'd given away but there's something about giving to Jesus something about even giving up your whole life to him we're the ones who will receive in the end and here's the thing to finish with wouldn't it be awesome if like Paul said to the Macedonians imagine someone saying to us these verses that Paul says about the Macedonians and so let me read this one last time as it, as it relates to salt. Wouldn't it be awesome if someone said this about Salt Church? And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given Salt Church. Even though they're a young church, even though some of them are finding it financially tough, even though many of them have mortgages, even though some of them are uni students, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I can testify they gave as much as they are able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of giving to a new home for the making of lifelong disciples. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's, let's pray to that end. Father God, thank you for your rich generosity to us. Father, you give us so much. You've given us Christ And even as we give sacrificially and joyfully, we are the receivers. We get the joy, we get the privilege, we get the opportunity to share and give to the work of our King Jesus. Uh, Lord, please keep transforming our hearts and our minds as we think on these things. Please would you, by your Spirit, uh, make us generous like the Macedonian Christians. And we pray it. For Jesus' sake. Amen.